Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and with me our basketball expert Joe Volent. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know man, what are we talking about today? Today we bring you our recap of round 13 of the EuroLeague in the end of this doubleheader. And we have exciting news, as we have been hinting, we will be growing the European Hoops podcast. We will start becoming to you every time that there is action in the EuroLeague five times a week. We will be bringing you the recaps of the, the previous week of the previous rounds on Mondays. We will have our previews of the, the action to come on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, we will have a special episode called EuroLeague Talk, where we will be breaking the understandings, bringing you our rankings, our power rankings, have interviews, have different content for you guys. And on Thursdays and Fridays, usually when there are games on Thursdays and Fridays in normal weeks, we will be having uh, our picks and leans about the size that we prefer. And we will also be looking at the markets and which are our leans according to our models and also according to our expert picks. Are you excited with this next stage for the European Hoops podcast, Duke? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, we're always trying to, to get better and, and to improve our content. So uh, it's very exciting to have different ways to, to try to approach the podcast. So I hope you guys uh, stay tuned with us because I think it's going to be really, really fun. You're right about it. It will be a very, very fun new stage for, um, for our European Hoops podcast. But uh, let's continue our work and let's look into the first game that took place in the round 13 the second hand of this uh, double header. A reminder that we already recapped the games from round 12 uh, when we did our preview of this uh, round 13. So if you want a recap of those games, go back to that episode and you will be able to hear our breakdowns of those games. On the, our episode on the Wednesday, our EuroLeague Talk episode, we will be breaking down the standings and we will be go going over all the 18 teams, what they have been doing well and where they are struggling. So we will have that big recap after this doubleheader week. Those make sense and those are the ones that we will be doing. But let's look at this game between Alba and Efes. A game where uh, Alba uh, had a high-scoring game, as we tend to expect from them. But Efes was able to have the firepower to, to overcome and to get this important road win, 89-97. to 97. It was a game with Shen Larkin that uh, he continues to play through injury, was able to play at a very high level. He was the game MVP and he scored 32 points. But uh, Jonas Tiemann, a player that uh, you tend to to value extremely is because of the importance that he has for this Alba team, also played at a very high level, not only bringing the intensity, the energy that we know that he always has and brings to these games, but he ended up the game scoring 31 points. When Tiemann scores 31 points, but... Efes has too much firepower for you could be the headline of this game, do you? Well, uh, I guess so. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, this was a very important game for, for both teams. They, they're both coming off great wins. Uh, Alba against Algiris and Efes uh, against Panathinaikos, which was a game that I was not expecting Efes to, um, to win. So they did a great job there. Uh, but on this one, despite all the, inju the injuries on both sides, uh, I thought this was a great game by both of these teams. Uh, it was high-paced, high-scoring, high-efficiency, everything you can ask for in a basketball game. Um, Shane for F, as in, like you said, Timon for Alba, they both shine for, for, their, for their teams. And it was a super competitive game. That could have gone either way, but uh, I think that the experience for Efes 
uh, got the best of Alba's youth. Um, but FS looks like a new team. I mean, they are playing with so much energy, even though they are undermanned now with, with all of the injuries. But they're, they're playing with a lot of energy. They Even though they still play a lot in the half court, the, the pace is just different. Like They're using a lot more quick transitions instead of just running a full ha- half court set. Um, they're taking advantage uh, of quick actions from both Shane and Darius Thompson and they are using those athletic bigs in Ty Jones and Oturu now uh, as they are very good rollers and very good lob threats so I think both those guys were very important here uh, when they had to play half court and pick and roll action uh, I, I just think this is a great formula for this team with these type of pieces to just try to, to improve the pace to, to play a little bit faster and then when they do need to play in the half court they have very good playmakers and they have lob threats, they have good bigs, and they have good shooters too. So uh, I really like what FH has been doing. Uh, for Alba, uh, it was awesome for me to see the young guys have such good games in Procida and Spagnolo. Um, Procida, uh, the growth ha- has been notorious. I mean, he has developed his out- his outside shot quite well, so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Spagnolo had also some good looks from three, uh, some pull-ups in the mid-range, and some assists as well. I, I was Pretty surprised with his game. I think he was very, very good. Uh, Alba tried to run a lot and score at a high level, like they usually do. But this time, I also think they did a great job when they needed to play in the half court, and that's where I think Chahan's teammate was huge because they were able, they were able to take advantage of the mismatches in the post with him, and he, he was dominant inside and, and also displayed his ability to stretch the floor. So I thought this was a very good game. But in the end, Shane is playing at an MVP level. It's just that the team is not having the success of a Real Madrid or a Barcelona. But Shane is playing at a very high level and he carried Efes to this win. So this was really an elite performance. Efes really taking that step that we wanted from them and uh, they are looking like the competitive team that we expected them to be with this roster and that energy will be key for them to be able to win games now that they are dealing with so many injuries. Let's look into the next game. And this was a game that we expected to be more competitive than Tendam end up being in the end with Real Madrid being able to impose themselves 78-90 playing in Greece against Paratinaikos. And despite the, the final score of the game being a 12-point win by Real Madrid, they were leading by 17 heading into the, the fourth quarter of this game. This poses a question for me, Diogo. What were for you the highlights of this game, but also... Was that game against Fenerbahce a fluke and Real Madrid is just indestructible? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was a fluke because obviously Fenerbahce played a very good game and, and they deserved that win. Uh, but of course, Real Madrid, I mean, we both agree that they are the best team in the competition. Uh, obviously, they're not going to go 34-0. So a loss is going to happen here and there. But uh, I, I do agree that they are indestructible, like you said. Um, I mean, as far as this matchup, um, after a disappointing loss to, to Efes, uh, I thought Panathinaikos obviously was going to face a, a true test here against Real Madrid, who, who just beat Olympiacos. So this was a very tough task for Real Madrid this week, playing two games in Greece. We know how hard it is to, to play in there, and they came out with both wins. So great job by them. Uh, I thought the first half was super competitive. Uh, Panathinaikos was able to force some turnovers, and they, they hang on on the rebounding battle, which is very important against a team like Real Madrid. Uh, but then the third quarter was the key here. I mean, Real Madrid came out with a different energy defensively, and they dominated Panathinaikos on the boards, which was uh, the rebounding battle in the third quarter was 17-3 to in favor, of, in favor of Real Madrid. So after that, it was just about controlling the lead. I thought Panathinaikos' big three 
was great with Kendrick Nunn, Mitoglu, and Lasort, but nobody else really stepped up. And, and to beat Real Madrid, you can't do it with just three players. You need everybody to, to step up. Uh, I thought the three-point shooting, the rebounding, and the ball movement were the main keys in this game. Panathinaikos did a, a great job in the first half uh, of attacking Real Madrid's bigs off of pick and rolls. Uh, usually, Walter Tavares and Poirier do a very good job on those areas. But Kendrick Nunn is a different beast here, going downhill. And he can find multiple ways to finish, uh, either um, scoring or just dishing it out to other guys. So I think Kendrick Nunn was amazing in the first half. But then in the third quarter, once Musa got hot, uh, the ball just started moving at such a high level. Uh, Real was able to break down Panathinaikos' defense every time uh, because Panathinaikos, uh, on the pick-and-roll defense, they were hard showing on Campazzo and, and kind of trying to trap him. But obviously, Campazzo is such a good passer that he was always able to find the open man and, and Real got a ton of open shots. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Panathinaikos still tried a, a little bit of a comeback, but Real was always able to answer. So this just shows how good Real Madrid's team really is. And this was a, an impressive win, for sure. Real Madrid is just a team with uh, so many options. And uh, this is a game where the two best statistical players for Real were Zonia and Tavares. But you just mentioned how important it was when Musa got hot. And then if you look at the box score, you see Facundo Campazzo ending this game with a plus 23, the best plus minus between all the players. And it's just the depth, the talent, the experience. The, it's, it's a very, very, very strong team. And uh, I, the EuroLeague is decided in a Final Four with uh, do-or-die games. And that's where uh, it gives a chance to, to the other teams to be able to compete and in any given night and in any given game be able to beat this Real Madrid team. But otherwise, in a playoff series, this at the moment is really a team that, for me, it's uh, far above everybody else and deserves that uh, distinction as the best team on the, the EuroLeague so far and the favorites to win the EuroLeague and the, to win this edition of the EuroLeague. The next game that we had was the game that put face-to-face Partizan and Milano. And Partizan, at home, was able to win 82-69 against Milano in a game where Kevin Potter, he continues to take step forward, he seems recovered, he seems uh, ready to play and to be the leader of this partisan team and he ends up this game as being the, the game MVP. But this Milano team needs to be one of the biggest disappointments so far, don't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, we had very good expectations for them coming into the season after signing Meritage, of course. Uh, but it's just gone the other way around. I mean, it's been very, very bad so far and we don't really see no signs of, of improving soon. Uh, but as far as this game goes, I mean, obviously, without Miritich, Milano just didn't have enough offensively to, to compete, especially on the road and in such a hard uh, arena like it is uh, with Partizan. Uh, I think Milano did a very good job in the first three quarters with uh, Shields and Maldolo leading the way. But then in the fourth, they went 0 for 10 from three. And Partizan just picked up the energy and they came back. I mean, Things are a little bit different when you have Kevin Potter available. So uh, I thought, obviously, that was very important for them to, to have their leader and their main scorer. And, and also, I think Caboclo, he, he stood very well against Milano's front court with all of those options and all of those bodies. I think he did a very good job. So overall, this was a very good week for Partizan, uh, beating Monaco in overtime in a great game. And then after struggling the first three quarters to, to bounce back and perform in the fourth to get this win against Milano, I thought Partizan had a, a very good week and we are starting to see them playing a lot better and now that guys are healthy, uh, I think they're going to start climbing up the standings now. 
But like we said, for Milano, this is just a, a big disappointment. And definitely a lot of things need to change there. But especially with Miritic injury, it's not going to be easy at all. Yeah, Milano is indeed in trouble. Let's uh, head to Lithuania and to the next game that put face-to-face Jalgiris and Monaco. This was a competitive game as we expected it to be. Roland Schmidt once again stepped up for the for Jalgiris. Thomas Dimsha was the best scorer for the, the home team. But Monaco led by no other than Mike James, the, our top MVP contender so far in this edition of the EuroLeague, that uh, led the team with 25 points scored was too much for, for Jalgiris to be able to, to get this win. And Monaco got a very important road win for them, didn't they? For sure. I mean, we know Zalgiris is always a tough team to beat at home. Um, and both these teams lost in the first hand of the doubleheader. So this was a very important game. And Monaco being the more talented team and having the best player on the floor, they were able to survive, literally survive, because that was a, a very hard-fought game. I think Zalgiris did a great job with the three-point volume, which we always talk about how good of a three-point shooting team they are, but they don't shoot enough. And they did shot a good amount and they, they hit it at a, a nice efficiency rate. And then on the boards too, uh, I think you can make a case that the biggest reason for Zagiris to, to keep this game so competitive and so close was the three-point line differential because Monaco was not good. Uh, so I think Zagiris did a very good job guarding the three and, and obviously on the boards too because they forced Monaco to miss so much. But however, Monaco was able to get to the free throw line 33 times, while Zagiri has only had seven free throws. So, obviously, Monaco has those playmakers and those shot creators. They were able to break down Zagiri's defense with a lot of one-on-one. Obviously, Mike is one of the best one-on-one players in Europe, and they were able to get a lot of fouls, and Zagiri's had to be more disciplined uh, defensively in order to win this game because they kept sending Monaco to the free throw line, and we know Monaco's going to make their free throws. And then Mike's shot-making ability... uh, down the stretch, I mean, he's at such an insane level this season, and I think this was displayed again on this matchup. Uh, I thought he was the best player on the court at all times, and some games it's going to call for Mike to to facilitate for others and to find open shots, and then other games it's going to be for him to just score, like get out of my way, I'm going to get this bucket, and and that's what he did to, uh, on this matchup. So I think Zalgiris did their best to to try to steal this game. But, I mean, Mike didn't allow that. I mean, he's such a clutch player. He's such a good scorer. And he took care of business again. So, very important win for Monaco after losing to Partizan. If they were to go 0-2 this week, it could have been tough because there are a lot of teams in that range in the standings that could be climbing up had they lost this game. So, this was a very important one and they got it. A player like Mike James always gives you a fighting chance and I believe that's what... Monaco is hoping for on their expectations to try to conquer this Euroleague title. They certainly will be in the mix to, to fight for it. The Another team that certainly will want to be in the mix and another team that has a, a strong home court, as Jalgiris tends to be, is Olympiacos. And they got the win over Bayern 77-69. And this was just a team effort by Olympiacos where they were able to impose themselves defensively. And Bayern just couldn't find ways to score against them. Yeah, I mean, a very good job by Olympiakos bouncing back after losing to Real Madrid. Uh, Bayern, on the other end, without Serge Ibaka, uh, we knew this was going to be a, a very tough game because uh, Olympiakos has the size with, with Fall and Milutinov. So not having Serge was always going to be a, a huge loss there for, for Bayern. 
I think both teams did a great job shooting the three, but the fact that Bayern couldn't stay disciplined uh, defensively, that, that really hurt them because they kept sending Olympiacos to the free throw line and in the end it made a big difference. That I didn't think there were really much standouts here in this game. Uh, I just think Olympiacos was the more consistent defensive team like they usually are and that's why they got this very important win because Bayern is always in the fight. He's also in the fight for that playoff spot, playing spot and Olympiacos needed this win at home to to stay in it, to, to keep a, a playoff spot secured. So this was a very important win. Uh, obviously, they could have played much better. Uh, I think both teams could have played much better. But it, it was about defense, and they were the, mo the more consistent team. So this is a very important win for Olympia. Yeah, Olympiacos was able to impose themselves. They started the game very strongly with a 24-8 first quarter. And despite having lost individually each one of the other three quarters, they just put themselves into a position that they wouldn't allow Bayern to go back and come back into this game. And uh, that's the way that uh, they are able to play. They are able to impose themselves as a unit, as a team. They had four players scoring in double digits. Walcott scored 14, Larenzakis 13, Peters 14 and Milutinov 12. And they just have this ability to as a group and imposing their system and the way that they want to play. They were able to conquer another win that is very important for them and for their aspirations to stay in this fight, to, to fight to be in the playoff run, to fight to be in the playing run. They are a team that we expect to see there and we expected them to have this very high floor and they are showing just that. The next game that we will get to is another team that is showing to have apparently a very high floor. They are surpassing all of our expectations. They are hanging to this third place in the standings and that's Virtus. They they are currently with nine wins and four losses. They rank in third place, as I just said it. And this was a game where neither Virtus or Maccabi were able to stop each other. Virtus were, was able to win 100 to 90. What were the keys for this game? Besides, of course, Toko MVP Shengeli playing once again at a very high level. Well, like you said, uh, inner team could stop each other. And, and that's always something that's going to favor Virtus because the, the way they play with their ball movement and their shooting ability. If you can't play defense, they're going to explore that and, and they're going to outscore you. So obviously Virtus continues their impressive run and beating Barcelona and Maccabi back-to-back. -back. Uh, Maccabi pulled a very hard-fought win against uh, Asvel, but they weren't able to repeat it here. Uh, like you said, Toko MVP Shengelia, he, he continues to be dominant and to perform at an MVP level. And <laughs> then you have guys like Bellinelli and Daniel Ackett who look like they're 25 years old again. Uh, <laughs> Lorenzo and Wade uh, I think they were great but Maccabi needs to shoot the three at a much better rate especially in matchups like this because Virtus will break you down with the passing and the shooting and if you can't do the same or at least contain them they're going to outscore you and, and that's what happened in this game uh, Maccabi obviously they kept up s scoring wise but it just wasn't enough like uh, they shot 6 for 20 from 3 I believe yeah, they shot 6 for 20 and Virtus shot 10 for 26. So it's just going to be tough for Maccabi to win such a high-scoring game, only making six threes. So uh, that's the key against Virtus. You have to be able to guard the three-point line and you have to shoot three at an efficient rate. And Maccabi wasn't able to do that. And that's why they didn't win this game. But this Virtus team is fun, man. Uh, they play such a good brand of basketball and we knew this uh, ever since they announced Coach Banky. So it it's very exciting to see their performance this season. They are clearly surprising everybody sitting in that third place. But uh, they, they play a great brand of basketball and they deserve it for sure. And this is the perfect moment for us to 
promote our EuroLeague Talk episode that is coming out on Wednesday, where we will be highlighting of what are their strengths, their weaknesses, and why are they in third place in the standings. So make sure to tune in for that and make sure to stay tuned with us because we will bring you plenty of content. So subscribe to the podcast, share it, and this is a perfect moment to, to just ask you to do all of that. Next on the docket, we have another team that, at least personally, is also a surprise. This fourth-ranked Basconia that this time around was able to beat Red Star 87-85. And this all changed since the, the former Red Star coach joined Basconia. So I'm guessing that this was a, a special game for him, don't you think? Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, obviously, this was a, a, a great game, a very close one. And this game had elite shooting, elite ball movement. But these are the two teams where we probably mention defensive consistency the most. And uh, I, I guess Coach Ivanovic has been able to do that for Basconia. Not so much on this game, but just enough to, to get the win. Um, I think both teams struggled here defensively. Of course, this was a high-scoring game. Uh, Basconia was just a little more efficient from three because uh, outside of that, this game was so close uh, on all levels. Uh, I just love what Cedric Kerskis has been able to do for Basconia this season. It's just an amazing impact doing every little thing on the floor that they need. Uh, guys like him, Chima Moneke and Miller McIntyre are, are such perfect complements to, to Marcus Howard. And Red Star just keeps on being a very good offensive team. They've been very good on the boards, but they can't stop nobody. And until they are able to, to play defense, at least at a consistent level, it's going to be very hard for them to, to win games and to make the playoffs. So they definitely need to work on that because so far they still haven't won on the road and it's going to be impossible to make the playoffs. Like and if Coach Ivanovic was playing against his former team, we can say the same about uh, Rokas Giedraitis that also had a great game himself. He ended the game with uh, 24 points, but that wasn't enough for the Red Star to be able to still this road win and as you just mentioned they are struggling on the on the road and this was another case and for Basconia they keep climbing in the standings and they are being truly impressive since the their coaching change another team that uh, has been uh, impressive so far this season is Barcelona and uh, on the next game that we will be recapping they were able to beat Fenerbahce 89-21 a game where Willy Hernan Gomez uh, was able to step up and he ends the game as the, the game MVP, being the top rebounder for the team, being the top scorer for the team. When Barcelona is able to have this type of performance by these uh, players, they will always be a tough opponent to beat. And uh, in this game, they were able to, after going to halftime, losing by 12 points, 38 to 50. They really were dominant in the second half. What happened on that second half and how did they come back and were able to conquer this win? Well, uh, this was a, a, a tough game. Obviously, two teams with great rosters. Uh, we expected this game to be a close one. Uh, and especially after both teams uh, having a, a disappointing loss in, in the first game of the week. Fener losing in the last second and Barcelona blowing a double-digit lead uh, against Virtus. They, they both needed to bounce back and I thought this was a very competitive game. Uh, obviously, Fenerbahce started... Uh, much better, especially in the second quarter. Uh, I thought Barcelona did a good job exploring some mismatches with Saranski in the post with Tyler Dorsey at times, but Fenerbahce was just able to sustain that and, and then to make shots on the offensive end. Uh, I thought Barcelona was very bad defensively in the first half. And then what changed was Saranski and La Provitula were very good at 
driving in the second half and dishing it out to other guys, finding open shots, finding open guys in the paint. And I thought Willie was just dominant on the boards and scoring inside. Uh, I think Fenerbahce did a terrible job defensively and especially on the board because they allowed so many second chance opportunities to Barcelona and especially Willie Aaron Gomez. Um, we know how Barcelona can explore uh, bad defenses with their ball movement and their shooting ability. Uh, I just think Fenerbahce needs to be a much more consistent team defensively. Like They did a great job in the first half, but they weren't able to be consistent throughout the 40 minutes. And if they don't start doing that, it's going to be very hard for them to beat these top teams because even though they have a top roster, they haven't really performed as a top team and as a contender like they should. So I definitely think they need to, to fix that. But for Barcelona, it was a, a great way to, to come back and, and to get the win because they really needed it. They couldn't afford to, to lose two games in the same week. And I really thought Sadoransky, Laprovitula, and Willian Gomez were the keys for that, especially Willie on the paint. He was just dominant, man. And he got so many second-chance opportunities for his team. And I really think that was the biggest key here in this matchup. Barcelona stays at the top of the standings in second place. And another Spanish team that keeps fighting to be in the playoff mix and in the playing mix is Valencia, a team that had an imponent win on the road against Asphalt, 55-78. to This was a game that Asphalt was able to shoot only 16% from three and... We saw an improvement from Aswell after Coach Pose joining the team. But every time that they will shoot only 16% from uh, from behind the arc, they will be in trouble and they won't have enough to be competitive. Was Valencia just able to once again suffocate their opponent and just dominate defensively? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess dominant Valencia is back uh, after a few <laughs> weeks uh, of struggling a little more. Um, we know Asvel is a, a very good offensive team and they're not so good defensively. So if they're not scoring at a high level, it's going to be tough for them to even stay in games, let alone win them. And, and I think Asvel, uh, obviously they struggle a lot from three, like you said, and, and I credit Valencia for that. Uh, holding them to 55 points is truly impressive. They did a great job guarding the three and enforcing turnovers. And then offensively, they shot the ball at a very good level and with volume, which is not normal for them, at least this season it hasn't been. So uh, I think Valencia just grinded it out again like they did early in the season. We'll see if they are able to, to keep this up again for, for a few more weeks, but they, they truly did an amazing job here in this game. Uh, I thought this was a game that was reachable for both teams. I think it was going to be close. I, I thought both teams would have a, a good chance to win, uh, but Valencia just overstated that. I mean, they, they blew out Aswell on the road. And at this level, if you limit any team to 55 points, that's a great achievement. So great job by Valencia defensively again. And they did a much better job offensively. If Even though they only scored 78, uh, I just thought the way that they played and the shots that they got w was much better for them. And I think this gives them a better chance to compete against better teams. So this was a very good win. And it might be a, a good formula for them to try to play in the future. It absolutely is a way for them to, to, to play in the future and to be competitive. But allowing only 55 points against an EuroLeague team is always a huge achievement. And congratulations for Valencia that after this impressive road win, they rank in eighth place in the standings. We reached the end of this episode. Make sure to tune in tomorrow as we will be previewing the next round of the EuroLeague. Also on Wednesday, we will bring our EuroLeague talk where we will go over the 
state of the EuroLeague at the moment. We will be going over any news that break. We will get you up to date with all the information and also bring you our rankings, our power rankings, uh, our recap of the standings, our rankings of players for position. We will bring you interviews. And on Thursdays and Fridays before the games, we will bring you our breakdown of the markets regarding uh, how are our inclinations about each of the game and our picks of our experts about who we expect to be winning each of the, the matchups taking place on each day of the EuroLeague. Do not miss out on all of this and we will be coming to you on normal EuroLeague weeks five times a week. So to stay up to date with the European Hoops podcast, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Tito Zero League and also make sure to share the podcast with your friend. That's the way that we can continue to grow and can continue to bring you this uh, free podcast to every single one of you. We appreciate you for following us, for listening and for tuning in. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on the next episode.